This is Pulse 95. You're listening to the Life Beats podcast. Life Beats, Life Beats. with Sally Musa only on Pulse 95. Assalamu alaikum, hello, hola, and welcome to Life Beats with me, Sally Musa. Today, we're checking out the Tempest 2019 class of 40 women to watch. The two women heading up the global media platform are two groundbreaking changemakers themselves. And this morning, we welcome back to the Life Beat studio, Leila Lawa, founder and CEO of The Tempest, along with Mashal Wakar, co-founder and COO. We'll also be talking Sharjah women who are shaking things up both here in the UAE and on the global stage. So keep it here to find out who made the cut next on Life Beats on Pulse95. This is Pulse 95. You're listening to the Life Beats podcast. Life Beats. Life Beats. With Sally Musa. Only on Pulse 95. 95. The Tempest is an online platform that tells the stories of diverse millennial women reaching over 10.3 million people every month, spread across 90 countries, and now. The Tempest has just announced the 2019 class of 40 women to watch an annual list that moves past a simple collection of impressive achievements, instead highlighting women that they say are revolutionary leaders and change makers. To tell us more, I'm excited to welcome back Leila Lawa, founder and CEO of The Tempest, along with Meshal Waqar, co-founder and COO. Hello, Allah. Hello. So <laughs> Great to be back. <laughs> Good to see the two of you uh, back here again. But I believe congratulations are in order because, you know, like talking lists and change makers and disruptors and all that kind of thing. Mashal Waqar is on the Forbes 30 under 30 this year. Hello. (laughs) Congratulations. Thank you. Mabrook. Mabrook. Amazing. Amazing stuff. We saw that you're, you know, alongside people like uh, uh, Muhammad Salah. Yeah. That's, I feel like that's like the craziest thing is like, wait, what? I'm on the same list as Mo. I mean, or he's on the same list as me. Yes. Whichever way you want to see it. That's the right way to put it. That's the way to put it. But you've already made the list, uh, Layla. She's like, I've been there, done that. I don't even know. No, I mean, when I made the list, they had actually been talking to me. I had said I had a co founder that Michelle was supposed to be on the list, and due to some errors on their part, they did not put her on the list. So when I posted about it this year, I said, good job on getting it right. <laughs> good job. <laughs> because Michelle oh, wow. more than deserves it. Wow. Yeah. Well, she absolutely, the both of you do as well. And uh, it has to be said that, you know, the, the, the list of, of is full of amazing women from mm-hmm. the region as well, including uh, we've got uh, the founders of the hardest accessory brand right now, Uchten as well. They are in there. Um, you know, they are amazing themselves. And, you know, are you saying that, <laughs> yeah. that you guys should have been together in the first Forbes under 30 under 30? Yeah, I mean, for the, the global version. Yes. That's the one that I was in. Mm. And unfortunately, there was an editorial mix-up that wasn't communicated to me. And so when it was launched, I was looking, you know, where's the photo with Michelle? And she wasn't on it. And it was just so... I don't know. It, I, we both just felt so sad. I know that you had put so much work, Michelle, into putting together your profile. They give you a long 
long questionnaire. Wow. It took us like an hour. <laughs> That's also why this time, so before, so they, I got an email saying, hey, fill out the form. It was the same process, you know, I'd been through it yeah. once before, so I, I didn't have, ex- I didn't expect to be on it because I was like, I don't want to be disappointed and also, like, it's happened once. I don't, I, and they don't send you a confirmation email that, hey, you made it. So they just said, hey, fill out this form and send some photos and it's happened once. I'm like, yeah, okay, whatever. <laughs> and then I go onto the website I'm like, oh my god, I made it. <laughs> and I think I put the laptop on the side and I just started crying because I was overwhelmed. That um, was amazing. That's brilliant because, you know, the two of you really are doing incredible things with The Tempest, it has to be said. And the stories that you're telling, the diversity of these stories, um, stories that we don't normally hear, and particularly for you, Michelle, somebody who's, um, and Leila, somebody very passionate about accessibility as well. This is, a, you know, a big, big concern for you. Um, and I love that last time when you guys were here, we were talking about the way that we can, you know, make uh, our social media posts more accessible by actually typing up a bit of a, a caption as to what's going on in the photo. And now, like, Instagram and Twitter have actually made that part yep. of their apps. Yep. I was yeah. so happy to see that update because it's um, it was necessary, it was important, and I think this should have been done a long time back, right? Yes. But better late than never. Yes. Um, and so I'm, I'm so happy to see those alternative descriptions on Instagram. Facebook still hasn't got, I mean, they still haven't done that for Facebook, but LinkedIn has done it as well. And so, you know, there's progress happening and, and it's it's great. Twitter had them already. Twitter was great. So I've been pretty happy to see these updates in terms of accessibility online. It's amazing. And we're going to talk more, you know, women who are uh, championing accessibility as well as part of your 40 women to watch list. Now, tell me more about this list. How'd you come up with it and why? Yeah, so... A lot of times when you look at these lists of incredible change makers and innovators, they've already reached the pinnacle of their careers or they seemingly are have already made it. And for us, you know, in tw- late 2016, um, in part, you know, I hadn't made the Forbes list. So I was like, OK, I was feeling a little salty. But then at the same time, I was just thinking to myself, you know, there's a problem when you have all these incredible women who um are are starting out on their journeys or are, are still on the way to making it mm-hmm. nobody's giving them that recognition and a lot of times that recognition can push you over the final hump um, because 99% of the time you know it's all work and then a lot of people stop right before the end and so we really launched it um, in 2017 and uh, you know of course the first 40 it was co- formatted completely differently. Um, we did, of course, have a global focus, but it's it's shifted over the years. And so this is our third year running. Um, and, you know, we're really thinking concretely around what is it that isn't being done already or is being done but isn't being done well enough? And mm-hmm. how can we ensure that these change makers, um, especially in a time now where women are more outspoken now than ever before, how can we make sure that we are enabling them as much as possible? So we had a team of more than 10 people just working so hard, sifting through hundreds of nominations. Um, how did you get the nominations? And this is, this is so that's the, the most exciting part, yeah. right? This time we went all out. So this is the first time we opened up the list of public nominations. Yeah. And so there were hundreds of nominations from around the world and people were not our audience is the one that nominated these women um, because of how much they admire them, because of the change that they're honestly um, 
so there's global change, there's regional change and local change, and there's mm-hmm. a lot of these change makers. And the reason why it's been exciting is because to us to move from having this be, you know, our first time, it was a much smaller scale. And at this this time round, you know, it took months of work and so much of effort that was put into this. And, and so it's like, I'm so proud of our team and um, of, of what we've accomplished with, Amazing. with the list this year. All right. Okay. So tell us who made the cut? Let's start going through these. Who made the cut of your top 40 this year and, and why? Let's Give us a bit of an overview of, of kind of, you know, maybe what you were looking for because there are so many great women. There are so many women doing such great work, right? And so how do you kind of go and limit it down? That would be the hardest job in the world. And honestly, I will, I'm going to take a moment here and give a very specific shout out to our managing editor, Katie Kaysen Frenchman, who is actually based out of London, our London office. Um, she was in charge of managing this team. Of course, Michelle and I did bring in our input, um, but they were specifically looking at these different women and, and thinking concretely about, okay, Cool. She's starting off. She doesn't really have that much to show for her work, but there's a little bit of passion that we see here. So I think at the end of the day, it was how, you know, some people, of course, are, are doing the work, but they're not as passionate about it or or the way that they speak about it is not as, as infectious. And so we were really looking for that spark because that's what really gets us excited at the end of the day mm-hmm. you know it is regardless of how little experience you have if you have that little spark then i want to i want to pay attention i want to follow you on that journey i haven't memorized all 40 names so, <laughs> it was also, so and then there was that and i mean katie was leading the team as well right in terms of ranking but i think there was specific criteria we had right so in terms of impact on what is the level of impact what is the industry and field mm-hmm. and more importantly a lot of we looked at challenges that they're facing yeah. right because a lot of times you might be doing work but there's just so many challenges that set you back and i think that was a big part of looking at people who are sometimes overlooked by me- other or traditional media and I think that was a very big one as well, because I think there's a lot of women here who we see, we've, we know they're going to be doing big things. This is their year. Um, there's a lot. So I think there's there's one in specific, right? So Mayan Ziff, for example, accessibility advocate, again, global mm-hmm. champion of accessibility, working on... Um, She's work- so she's worked on Access Now, which is, again, a crowdsourced app for accessibility and making locations that are accessible, right? And I think it's in over 2,100 locations. Um, and, and so that was incredible. There's a lot of other women on the list as well um, who are doing really great work. And so um, some of them are just rising through, and we see them growing as well. So from the time where we were looking at their nominations to where, you know, we see them going. So, for example, Jasmine Kaur, who's um, a Sikh poet, right, on Instagram, and she's her, her words like touch like you read them right and I remember reading this one piece in particular and I got chilled just by and, and it's it's incredible because a lot of times sometimes you think okay wait Instagram might not be the most traditional form right but when you look at what's creating changes and grassroots level efforts are starting from social media right and and so I think that's a big testament to impact and looking at how things are changing up yeah and I'll, I'll note of course I I'm blanking on her name right now, and I don't have my phone like Michelle. Um, but we have an astrophysicist on the list who's still in university and was apparently shocked that we would even recognize her. And she is a young woman whose father was pushing her to ask questions. And so 
you know, she's a, a hijabi woman, woman. And so for me, when I saw her, I was just like, I have never seen someone like this. There's, and she's so under, like she's never been talked about in these larger outlets, but she's made incredible discoveries. So it, it really has been just seeing how, you know, of course you laid it out, the criteria out very cohe- coherently. Um, I have not had coffee today. So. <laughs> we better take care of that and get you some coffee, but it's an amazing list. <laughs> yes. We're going to be going through more of those inspirational names, like you said, They might not be at the very top of their field, but they're starting to make waves and it's Mm -hmm. very exciting. And we need to be supporting each each other as women for that. More to come on Life Beats with Leila and Mash'al. And we also talk, who's making big waves here in Sharjah? That's next. This is Pulse 95. You're listening to the Life Beats podcast. Life Beats Beats. with Sally Musa, only on Pulse 95. We are talking women making waves with two women who know exactly how to do that themselves. Uh, Misha Waqar and Leila Lawa are here with us in the studio, founder and co-founder of The Tempest. It's an amazing um, list. This is brilliant. Uh, You've got people like uh, Huda Idris founder and CEO of Dot Health, a smartphone app and online uh, portal that allows users easy access and ownership of their personal health data. Um, and she's an industrial engineering grad. Uh, and she's all, you know, into problem solving, looking at things like that. And I love that a couple of names on your list have already been on our show. Oh. Hang on. Let me bring you in. Can you guess who they are? I can. Can I? Oh, of course you can. Yeah, because you're you're the friend show. So go for it. Or the show's friend. I really not. For still, reference, she's you, still, y'all she's need still, to listen to the last episode for she's reference. She's still upset about that. I can see. I she's got this bitterness friend. going on. You know, she's just, she's not over it. I'm not really sure what we're going to do about this. But anyway, we'll get there. We need to get her her own show. I think that's, that's how. I think that's I'm what okay. it is. I'm good. Um, no, we got Rana Nawaz and Yoster. Um, right. Rana Nawaz uh, has been, she's uh, an amazing woman, a uh, corporate veteran who has started um, the When Women Win podcast, and which is uh, brilliant as well. But she's been on The Morning Mush with, with us before, sharing her story. That's an amazing story. Um, but yeah, Yoss has been, she was actually one of our first guests here on Life Beats. Really? On the very first show. Because she she launched her book, um, Girls Do Good. Girls Do Good, and so we had her on the show to talk about that, along with Kiri Jean, who is of the DreamWork Collective right. as well. Um, so yeah, doing brilliant things. I love that book so much, and it's such a brilliant it's, gift. Yeah, it's great. It's it's incredible, and I think it's so important for young girls and boys um, to see these role models in different um, in, in different industries, and and to see these different I think people they can look up to. Yes, growing up, right. That's exactly. Important. It's not just for girls. It's important boys, yeah. to remember, you know, these kind of books are brilliant because, you know, they bring you into a whole different world where you see girls who are doing things that you may not have seen before or may not have imagined before, but they're being done. And, you know, they're conquering all kinds of obstacles, which is brilliant. Um, yes. Yeah, so Yoss is on that list. Um, this list is amazing, but I, I want to get your thoughts, uh, Mashal and uh, Leila, Around, you know, women in the region, in the UAE, and particularly here in Sharjah, I feel like we have such an amazing list. When I ask the guys on Morning Mesh just to kind of think about who, you know, is doing big things here in Sharjah, they had quite a long list, more than we can probably cover today. (laughs) 
There's a lot of incredible things happening, and I and I love that there's a lot of strong women who are pushing these changes forward. Right, um, one of my favorites, and I can never. I, I feel like I start fangirling every time I talk about her. Nasha <laughs> Um I look up. She her. really does. She really does. <laughs> but you two know Nezla quite well because, first of all, you girls were part of the Accelerator program. The Tempest was actually here in Sharjah, part yep. of the mm-hmm. Shara Accelerator program, and then now you guys are mentors. For Shira as well. Yep. Specifically yep. Michelle, because <laughs> I am not here. <laughs> not as often as we'd like. But yeah. yeah no, we're working on that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Still working on that. Um, no. Yeah. So, so Shira, I think. So when I joined in, I think it was, I feel like I personally was on a different phase, even with my life and professionally. And by the end of the program, um, in, in moving forward, I think, and then that's how I transitioned from being part of the program to becoming a mentor was because of everything that I learned. And I think sometimes when you learn things the hard way, it teaches you a lot more, right? Because you can hear about people's lessons, but when you're going through a really tough time and you're learning everything firsthand, I think that's probably the most effective teacher. Talk to us about some of, you know, the key lessons that you learned through Shira that, you know, really helped you guys in terms of building the Tempest and really coming into your own as well. I think one very important lesson um, was in terms of soft skills. Mm-hmm. I think that was important uh, and, and it helped personally and professionally, but more importantly, understanding how as a co-founder or founder, it's really important for you to nail down certain skills that you might not have realized were essential. And um, the whole pitching, 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 right? So even when you're not pitching, you unconsciously are. And so whether you're spe- you either pe- uh, pitching to your customers, which is for us, our audience, um, potential customers, mm-hmm. which again, this is more professional and then or investors, right? And so understanding that and understanding the whole art of it as well. Yes. Um, because they have this specific thing, which is incredible, right? So before their showcase day, they actually fly in this pitch coach, Bianca from uh, Germany, who's one of the best pitch coaches. And she helps you formulate your whole pitch, right? So start to end and um, really helping you simplify what you're talking about. Because this is one thing that happens is we're so engrossed in the little details. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when we're from our industry, we don't even realize we're speaking in jargons. It's only until you you talk to someone from outside of the industry where they're like, what is this person talking about? It's so true. And so uh, another really important lesson was understanding to simplify how we're explaining what we do at The Tempest and the business side of things, right? When we're speaking to potential customers, I think that was another really incredible lesson. Mm-hmm. I think, though, you know, when you see somebody like Najel Mitfa as well, you know, heading up an organization like Shara and what she's doing with it, it just really brings to the fore, you know, what women can bring at the very top of an organization like that. Would you agree, Leila? Oh, absolutely. And I think that her presence at the organization, for not just for the companies, but for everyone that even pays attention to one of those companies or hears their story. The network effect of, of her in in all that she is um, as a woman, as, as a leader, it's having a global impact and a global effect because quite literally she's ensuring that the work, for example, that The Tempest does, I mean, for each one of our thousand plus contributors, they know that we participate in that program, that Nejla headed that program, and they understand that this is leadership, that this is how it looks, and and it's okay to be yourself. It's okay to, to own your experiences, and it, she does it so well. 
Exactly. And more importantly, there's a big problem when it comes to women in startups, mm -hmm. right? I could go on about this for a long time. <laughs> there's only 2.2% of female founders who get funding. This is out of $100 billion in 2018 in specific, right? And so when you have a woman leading a startup uh, center, and, and more importantly, they, they grew from having three programs to having multiple programs, different cohorts, right? And, and honestly, they're the ones behind one of the largest entrepreneurship festival, the Shards Entrepreneurship Festival, which has grown and grown. Last year, they got Gary V and Vishen Lakhiani, who's one of my personal <laughs> favorites. Um, but again, having her, right? And then then we have um, Sheikh Abdul Al-Qasimi again, um, and Sheikh Abdul as well. And they're doing incredible work here um, when it comes to the publishing side. And Yes, and we're gonna come. We're going to come to more of that. I love how you're so excited about this. I can't even stop you talking about it. We have to go to a break. We've got the business headlines coming up, but yes, we have to come to uh, Sheikh Abdur and Sheikh Ahur uh, with what they are doing here in Sharjah. There is so much more to discuss and more from your list. 40 women to watch. I love this so much. I'm discovering more and more women that I really, really need to know more about. That's next on Life Beats on Pulse 95. This is Pulse 95. You're listening to the Life Beats podcast. Life Beats, Life Beats. with Sally Musa only on Pulse 95. 95. Women who are making waves. We are talking the 40 women to watch from The Tempest with Mishal Waqar and Leila Lawa who are here with us in the studio from The Tempest. And um, as well as that, talking women in Sharjah who are very much not only doing things, big things here in the UAE, but also on the global stage. Something that comes to mind um, that you mentioned as well, uh, Mashal, is um, Sheikh Hoor, who uh, currently... Is extremely busy with uh, the Sharjah Biennial at the moment. Sheikh Ahur is really somebody who's changed the art scene here in the UAE in incredible ways. She really has, and you know what I particular like what I love most about her story is how so at the age of 22 she's leading this art fair, this very conventional, um, and and people don't expect someone of her age and a woman, a, a young woman in particular, to be leading up and then changing up the whole thing, right? from being very much traditional and orthodox and something to literally creating a thriving art scene here. I think that's the that's what I love about her stories, like literally pushing forward change from that age. And I feel like I could relate bits and pieces because when I joined The Tempest, I was 22. Um, and so it, it is, again, a strong reminder of, you know, age does not matter when it comes to change. And when you're passionate about something, you can do it. And so going from that to literally, you know, again, now the Charge Art Fair in there, there's, there's, and, and that's one of the things, right? Sharjah is a hidden gem. I say this over and over again because a lot of things I didn't actually know about until I joined Sharjah. And I realized, like, I had been living here for what, this is my sixth year in the UAE, right? But until I joined Sharjah and it opened up doors and honestly my eyes to a lot of the hidden scene that was going on in Sharjah when it comes to the art scene, but books in particular, which is, I love reading, right? So again, even what Sheikh Abdul is doing, she's the vice president of the IPA, and she's actually the second woman in the top position in the IPA. So again, a lot of challenges when you're um, working your way up to that position. And honestly, um, the changes just pushing for in terms of literature, so Arabic literature in specific, right, with the Kalimat group, and then... Um, Sharjah is now also the world capital. Again, I think that's another really, what do you call it? 
is that what's the phrase feather on on your cap is yes that the phrase? it's definitely a feather <laughs> in their cap one of many feathers it's just incredible to see because over the weekend um on thursday in fact wednesday thursday uh, we saw uh, f- footage of um, His Highness Sheikh Dr. Sultan bin Mohammed Al Qasimi, who was uh, at the London Book Fair, talking about Sharjah becoming the World Book Capital and the fact that they were rejected eight times, mm-hmm. eight times, and tried for it again. And the ninth time, they were awarded this incredible honor um, because it's not a lot of cities that get this. Um, but like you said, uh, Her Highness Sheikh Badur doing incredible things we've just we were talking about um the kalimat foundation just last week and about how they're bringing books to those who are visually impaired i mean this is huge and just wanting to work directly with publishing houses as well and wanting to you know make sure that you know what amna um uh the the manager of kalimat foundation talked about she she called it born accessible books Right. And I didn't even know there was such a thing. Yeah. And and that's, again, right? So these are changes you can push forward um, with accessibility in the literature world. And this is something that has not been focused on in the region. Let me tell you that, right? Um, this is so necessary at this point. And so to see that happening, and again, so born accessible books, because when you have books that are Braille, and you're not the one, there's just so much of literature here. And, and to see it in Braille, I mean, I think that's a big achievement. And we need it in other parts of the region, you know, starting from Sharjah. But more importantly, there's such a big blind community here in the Middle East. Yes. Right. And, and, and that has been completely ignored. Exactly. And, and that's what they're doing. They're reaching out to the whole region and trying to make sure that this is a reality, that yep. this happens. So um, definitely, that you know, two women who are doing huge, huge things at the moment here in Sharjah. But you guys are going to be focusing now on uh, something that that is really great. It is a mentorship program. Um, And Michelle, you've got a lot of experience in this. I'm going to let you guys tell the story. Leila, how did this kind of come about in the first place? Well, why don't we give Michelle a chance uh, to share her story of how she came to be co-founder at The Tempest. And then (laughs) it'll give you a little bit of an idea of what mentorship means to me and the Tempest. So. <laughs> okay, you go first, Michelle. So um, one summer I was in Saudi and I was I, I came upon an article on the Tempest and it was through that that I discovered the Tempest as a platform. And I remember binging on their content, right? And then I was reading it for hours and hours until I had the courage. I wrote this email three times. I have drafts on my Gmail from, you know, years back I was sharing with Layla. Um, and I said, hey, I want to join the Tempest and, and I really love your mission. I love the content you're pushing forward and I love the change you're creating with the type of content that's on the platform. How can I join? So I started off as a guest contributor mm-hmm. and then they had these fellowship programs, which was, you know, they emailed me saying, hey, there's our fellowship program. Applications are open. Uh, do you want to apply for them? And I was so confused between the editorial and marketing. And I said, you know what? I'm going to push myself out of my comfort zone. I've always wanted to write, but this is at a, such a different level. And I'm going to, I'm, I'm, this is scary, but let me apply for the editorial fellowship. And I remember my first call with Leila when she was interviewing me for the fellowship program, because it was a very hands-on program where we, we don't mess around. Here. No, we really don't. <laughs> we <laughs> don't. <laughs> at, at that time, so we were writing three to five different articles that you're going to be publishing. You know, we were going to be working with an editor. You don't get to choose which channel get assigned to. So, and, and that's how it is with media and publishing, right? You will be assigned stories that you may not know about. So you got to research, you do your job, and, and you learn. 
And so that's that's how I joined The Tempest as an editorial fellow. And I'd be writing articles, working with Leila. And that's how we actually formed a bond is, you know, we would, um, I loved just pinging her and she would actually mentor me as well um, and, and, and pushing out and giving me advice when it came to different aspects, right? And that's how it went from editorial fellow to being a tech editor because I told her, hey, um, we don't really have a thriving tech uh, channel. So why don't, why don't I, I do that? And then she gave me two options. She's like, you know what? You can join as a culture editor. At that time, that's what it was called mm-hmm. or tech. And I said, let's do tech. Yeah. <laughs> so so that's that's how I joined the Tempest as a fellow. Yeah, and um I'll note that the I, I remember the email, the first email, and I forwarded it to our senior community editor, Safia. And I was just like, Can you please talk to her? And then whenever we send an email out to someone saying apply for the fellowship, it's because they're either writing a lot <laughs> or um I think her first article, your first article was about deconstructed biryani and there's one thing that you don't mess with Michelle with is biryani. I'm with you a thousand percent on that. <laughs> yep. So it went viral and and so, you know, I had our team send Michelle an email to, to consider the fellowship because if that if she brings her full self in that way, then, you know, we would love to have her on the team. And that's really what the gist of it is. I mean, I, I grew up homeschooled, so what that means is you make your own opportunities. So when I was 13, I, you know, I was really passionate about insects. I still am. But my mom was like, why don't you do something about it? So I emailed a bunch of professors and ended up working at Harvard until I got to college. So um, and it was on a, a research project. And so the my gist when it comes to fellowships, when it comes to these kinds of opportunities is I want to get the same kind of mentorship that I I had a chance to taste in different moments of my life. And we make it very clear to folks who are interviewing for our fellowships that um, mentorship is a critical part of what we do, and it's not conventionally done. It's done through your very participation. And one thing I always say during orientation is you can get as little or as much as you want out of this program. You can show up, just do your stuff, and, you know, fig- not literally, but figuratively go home because <laughs> it's remote. Um or you can actually get what you want out of this, which is what Michelle did by showing up and and um, and just kind of, I mean, I know that you were a little tentative about pinging me at first. I don't know why I terrify people on my own team. <laughs> um, I don't think I'm that scary. But, you know, when it comes to our fellowship program, we offer everything from um, opportunities in video to design to growth hacking or editorial. And the reason I say that is actually our fellowships are open right now. And we're accepting applications from uh, people of all backgrounds from, you know, everywhere in the world. And we're specifically interested now in in really bringing in applicants from Sharjah. Um, you know, we have folks that come in from Dubai, but Sharjah is one that we're particularly interested in because there's so much untapped talent here. And a lot of times, you know, I've talked to women about this, but a lot of times women will say, you know, I don't have anything interesting to share. I don't have an interesting story. (laughs) And the reality is, is regardless of what it is that your your passion is, set aside that imposter syndrome for a hot second. I mean, I literally wrote into our application as you're going through it, um, push through the imposter syndrome. Keep you like you're almost done. So fellows who are applying quite literally see that motivation. Um, And so, you know, 
that's that that's yeah. a, that's that's a stark um you know it's it's a complete opposite because normally forms and applications are very scary mm-hmm. right and so that's one thing that happens over and over is you you as you're filling it more and you know you get to the more detailed questions you're wondering am i right for this is this really something i should be going for and there's a lot of thoughts and, and fears that you have but with ours the way it's designed as well right so we've put thought into every part of it yeah I want to come back in just a moment and talk a bit more about that and, you know, why it's so important to push through that imposter syndrome because it relates right back to where we started with this list of 40 women to watch because women are more likely to have that imposter syndrome and think, "Mm, maybe I'm not quite right for this. Maybe I don't really. There are so many people who have have it. More yeah. more to say, <laughs> more qualifications yeah. than I do. So we're going to come back mm-hmm. and talk a bit more about that with Leila and Michonne. This is Pulse 95. You're listening to the Life Beats podcast. Life Beats, Life Beats. with Sally Musa only on Pulse 95. 95. Back with Michelle and Leila. Just um, lots of great discussion as well that happens behind the scenes. You know what? <laughs> We're having fun when, you know, it, it kind of it's a bit delayed when we come back. Um, but talking all about your 40 women to watch, I want to highlight another one that I found that I really love here. Um, Munazza Alam, she is part of your list as well. Um, she's a National Geographic young explorer and a current Harvard graduate student focused on astronomy and astrophysics. She's the That's one you were the talking about. That's the one I was about. talking about, yeah. I love that. She's so cool. This is amazing. Um, she's I want to be her friend. I mean, check this out. She's studying exoplanets and their physical properties and whether they contain the right chemical balances to support life. Oh my gosh. Will, be, will, you, will you be our friend? No, can I just tell you, this, this girl, this young lady, this woman needs to connect with... Um, um, Ali Al-Mansouri because um, she's kind of like... Do, do you know Ali Al-Mansouri? Have you heard of her? So she is a young Emirati student. She's only 16 and she's taken her um, her she, experiment to space. Yes, she's the first one. She's the youngest one, actually, from the region to, to be part of the program. Right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I interviewed she's her amazing. for the um, Women and Girls in Science Day. And she's she's a prodigy. She blows you away. I feel like she needs to be on your list next time. Just oh, yeah. heads up. Right? I've already written her name down. She's <laughs> phenomenal. She's beyond phenomenal. Um, you know, she's just somebody who you just cannot get enough of. And these are the kind of young women like Munaza, like Alia, like, I mean, you know, are you guys planning to do like a Middle East version maybe? One for the region. So that's actually something that I've thought about a lot. And I was actually just talking about it with Michelle on the way here. Mm. Um I personally don't want to do one that's for the region. Mm. And here's the reason why. So years ago when I first launched what's now The Tempest, I was talking to a CEO um, and also he was an investor and he was saying uh, he was not an investor of ours. For this following reason, he said, why don't you split up the Tempest into different nationalities and ethnicities Mm. instead of our channels, which are things like love or science or uh, money? And and I said, well, that takes away from the very gist of who we are. Right. And so the future for our list is really focusing on building out, not just having, you know, right now we're small and we're we're being sustainable about that. Mm. But in the years to come, aka next year and the years that follow, um, we're interested in doing 40 women, for example, in business, 40 Fantastic. women in mm-hmm. media and literature. Amazing. And so within that, 
you have a conglomerate of women from this region, from other regions, and different like continents. And, and it's bringing forward all these stories mm-hmm. from the region on a global scale, right? And, and, and bringing them in front of the faces and people who don't know them, but who should. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that so much. We Before we left off uh, just now, we were talking about how to push through the imposter syndrome. How did you do it? How did you both do it? <laughs> Go on. You gotta give I mean, people advice who are listening my- who are going... You know, I really don't have very much to say. I mean, part of my origin story in life is in moments that I push through imposter syndrome, but I'm the CEO of this company and I still face a lot of moments of imposter syndrome. And I'll say this, you know, in moments where you feel it most, the best way that I found to get through it, apart from a few other other alternative ways that I specifically share with uh, close friends and team members. Uh, mm-hmm. So you have to be a part of the Tempest to get that mm-hmm. that yep. advice. But I'll take out my notebook and then just write over and over until it goes through into my head. You're good enough. You're good enough. You're good enough. And for me, it helps recenter myself as well as, you know, some good music to pump myself up because the reality is, is imposter syndrome is going to kick in, especially for women regardless of how old you are, regardless of how experienced you are. And it's so frustrating when you realize that you've listened to it for so long, because I I can tell you that I've listened to it a lot more than I would am willing to say, even for The Tempest, you know? You know, and with me, it was a bit of also sitting in the audience at times or sitting across. And when I wouldn't speak up, I realized my perspective was important because I was bringing forward a perspective people weren't hearing mm-hmm. um, when it came to, and, and that's why, so I constantly say this, right? Um, I'm, I'm a lot, so I am an introvert, so public speaking and all these things are not things that naturally came to me. There were things I had to work to become comfortable with. So even speaking right now, this is something I've become comfortable with at this point. And it only happened because I'd keep pushing myself saying, hey, if you're not going to say, you know, if you're not going to speak your truth, um, no one else will. Well, someone else will, and they'll do it wrong. That is, yeah. There's that's that or nobody. <laughs> that is yeah. very true. We've literally got one minute. And in that one minute, I was hoping to give this a bit more time. Um, but you're a complete bibliophile. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I love reading. And it's it's the month of reading. We are the Sharjah book capital of the world. Um, so I want, to, want you to tell us what you're reading currently. So I'm reading The Virgin Way by Richard Branson, and it's about... He's bringing a lot of his personal experiences, but there's a lot of incredible action items and, and takeaways that you can actually just follow when you read the book. One is listening. That's just one more, um, one specific one. There's keep it stupid simple. So so that's that's a very particular specific one. And he reiterates it over and over. Um, and there's just so much of I think this is like a wisdom gem. There's a lot to be said for simplicity, isn't mm-hmm. there? Simplifying life. And just not worrying about imposter syndrome. Absolutely. (laughs) And just knowing that at the end of the day, you are your own person. You were born with the genetic makeup that you had, had the experiences that you needed. And so your story matters. It absolutely does. The Tempest dot co is where people can go is that where they can go to to apply for the fellowships yes so the tempest.co forward slash fellowships is where you can apply we want to see Sharjah people is this open to just women yes women and men women and, women men. and men anyone can apply and you should be applying honestly. and only women can apply for the editorial fellowship do it <laughs> right now that's all I can tell you it's the time it's was too away. short it was so much fun yes. Michelle and Leila thank you both so much amazing you. stuff 
This is Pulse 95. Tune in live every weekday from 10am.